Pleased to be joined by, as always, Coach Gary Close and a new face, uh, not new to Hawkeye Nation, but new to our show. The one and only Les Jepson is with us. And first of all, before we get to this game, I know disappointing for Hawkeye fans, Les, uh, a pleasure to have you on. Can you kind of catch Iowa fans up on on what you've been doing recently, where you're living and uh, what keeps you busy? I've been living in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota for the last 21 years and uh, I'm self-employed. I own some uh, residential commercial real estate, and I um, manage some money for my friends and family. You haven't That's become a gopher I'm... fan, have you? Oh, what's a gopher? <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Perfect. Leslie, had a baby. <laughs> I was a St. Thomas fan until they went D1, but, you know, so. No, I, I follow sports. I try to follow basketball as much as I can in uh, college, professionally. And uh, I'm, Thomas a, I'm, a, the... I'm a fan. St. Thomas is in the uh, Summit League now. Is that right? Yeah, they're in Summit League. Yeah, they were. It was wow. D three, but uh, yeah, they're they're fun to watch. I mean, and um, and if I if I watch basketball, it's Big Ten basketball. Um, and so it's fun to watch. You know what what Iowa's done the last couple of years, and it's fun to watch. You know Garbage, Garza's improvement and uh, the Murray kids' improvement and and uh, McCaffrey, Patrick McCaffrey, you know Pat McCaffrey's improvement. So. It's fun to it's fun to see, Gary. Why didn't you tell me that Les was going to come up dressed up? Because I feel extremely underdressed for the show. I know that's that's Leslie. He, he's always dressed up since I first met him. I had a meeting, or else I'd be in my pajamas. <laughs> hey, pajamas are within the limits here in this show, Les. So yeah. um, I don't have no, any I, pants on. Yeah. It's, it's it's not a big deal. You get away with it now, right? That's the that's the Zoom and no, and uh, no, uh, video good. conference way. So I'm good. Um. Okay, let, let's get to this game, and I, I will kind of let the fans take this show where they please. But, um, Gary, I'll start with you. You're not going to win many games um, getting outshot from the free throw line. I know they evened it up on, on the glass towards the end. I believe it ended up, or excuse me, the, the turnover battle ended up even at 11 apiece. But Iowa's defense was just not very good tonight. Of course, they had a chance at the end. Where did, Where was this game lost to you? Yeah, it was a terrific comeback. I, I, I they, uh, they had a, they had a legit chance to force overtime. Um, you know, they're playing a Michigan team that's talented. Um, they're desperate. Uh, they, they're, they're on the outside looking in right now in the NCAA tournament. So you, you knew you were going to get, get their best, uh, their best effort, and, and, and they did. Um, I thought that uh, Michigan hurt Iowa a lot early inside whether it was post-ups or dribble penetration and it got Iowa out of the out of the man then they went zone and they, they still couldn't get the post covered and so probably just too many easy shots inside that led to a high percentage I think they shot I was looking at I think they shot 27 of 42 from two which is a really really high percentage that's just too much from two and because a lot of those shots were point blank so uh, they had trouble defending the post, both both the big fellow as well as that freshman, and um, and I think that was the big I think that was the big difference. Uh, then you can throw in didn't shoot very well from the free throw line. Uh, they missed some point blank themselves, missed some point blank shots, few dunks, and those points all add up when you're in a close game. Um, and so, not that they played poorly, but they just didn't play well enough to beat a Michigan team that that uh, that played well. 
unless I ask you, I brought this up to you before we went on the air. Um, one of the things that I think Iowa fans are frustrated with is the departure of not only Luca Garza, but Jack Nugent. And I think Iowa fans understand why Jack left to be closer to home, but boy, they could use a seven footer. And of course you were one of the better ones under uh, Dr. Tom. Um, how hard was it? I mean, watching Hunter Dickinson play, how hard is it to be able to make up for a lack of size inside? Well, you have to play big. So you can, you can be 6'9 and have long arms, and, and you can have a game of a seven-footer. I mean, Keegan Murray's uh, kind of like that. You know, you don't, have to, you don't have to be seven feet. You can be just under seven feet and, and be quick and, and make just more, much or more of an impact. But it's more, maybe more intimidating, but at the same time, you don't have to be seven feet. Um, it, helps, it helps once in a while, though, I mean, if you're trying to protect the paint. Uh, intimidate people. Um, it helps to have, have size, but you know you just gotta you gotta you gotta be do the best what you with what you got. And um, yeah, they could have won that game. They just if they hit that three or they get one more shot. Um, they got that game one. So um, you know they they're they're a good squad. We just gotta just gotta win some of these tight tight games. Gary, yeah, did I you like the three from Keegan? Time. I had a hard time getting the post covered up. Um, you know, you really you got two options. You can front the post and try not to let it in. Then, of course, you're vulnerable to lobs. But, uh, or you can double it. And it just seemed like they weren't exactly sure what they wanted to do. And so it left them exposed um, too many times in the post. And they tried to guard them one-on-one in there. And, and maybe that was the thought going in that they could. Uh, tonight, they couldn't. Uh, they just they couldn't get that kid under control. Um, and to some extent, Dickinson as well. So, um, that that high two point percentage was uh, was a killer. I, it, it's surprising it was as close as it was with that kind of a percentage. Um, but Iowa had their moments offensively; they were pretty good um, for the most part. And like Les said, you make a few more free throws and make a few more you know shots around the around the rim, then you maybe can escape with a with a good win. But um, that wasn't the case tonight. Let's be honest. This is a high number for Iowa, Gary. We've talked about the low turnover counts all year, and 11 is not egregious, I don't think, but um, no. it, it definitely felt like Iowa lost that battle, even though it, it didn't reflect such on the scoreboard. Yeah, and I think some of the turnovers that they had are just uncharacteristic of this team. They just they don't have bad turnovers where they're almost unforced errors, and a, and a number of them led uh, baskets at the other end. That's those are the killers. You know, those are like the four point plays where. You know, you don't get the two points or three points that you might get if you get a shot up, and then you get an easy basket at the other end. And in a game like this where it comes down to one possession, those are huge. Uh, so I, I didn't think they handled the ball as well as they have all year. Uh, and like I said, I think a couple of turnovers led to easy Michigan baskets. You'd be better off if they'd thrown it into the upper deck. At least they could get their defense set up. But a, a number of them were steals and layups at the other end, which uh, which really hurt, especially in a close game. We do have a call here, and I do want to warn our callers uh, before we take this first call because we have Les Jepsen on. I'm going to keep the call short this evening, so please just one question. Um, appreciate you respecting Les and, and Gary's time this evening. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey, Corey. Hello, everybody. It's the real MVP. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, it's a tough loss I was taking tonight. Absolutely was. Um. How come Iowa at times played great and then at other times 
their defensive lapses were just unexcusable. Like in the first half, for like four minutes, four or five minutes, Michigan, like eight straight points off of fast breaks, off of missed shots. Nobody went back on defense. How was, what happened there? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think their transition at times wasn't very good. Um, you know, it looked like uh, nobody, you know, had the rim. Usually in a transition situation, your first guy back has got to get the rim protected so you don't give up any layups. And it looked like there was some a little bit of confusion there. And sometimes, you know, if you take a quick bad shot, the defense isn't ready to get back, and they catch you by surprise. And it's hard to, as Les knows, you take a quick shot um, – if it goes in, it's great. But if it doesn't, um, it's going to hurt your transition defense. You got less chance of drawing a foul. Um, sometimes it catches your team by surprise and hurts your defensive transition. So I, I did think at times their their transition D wasn't great, and some of it had to do with their their offensive selection. But they're they're a high possession, fast shooting team, so it's kind of a fine line there um, because that's you know that's what they do well, and so you don't want to take too much away from them, but. Um, you know, when that ball gets into the other team's hands, you got to get back. You got to get you got to get back and get your defense set up so that you make them earn earn what they have to get. Gary, correct me if I'm wrong. You cannot give up 21 points in the first seven minutes. That's hard to recover from. I mean, that's just an onslaught early. Um, I thought they played decent defense in the last 10 minutes or so of that first half, but you just dig yourself such a hole defensively. Iowa, I think, went seven of eight to start the game, and yet yeah. you're you're even. I mean, it so just well, kills yeah. you. I think mentally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no question. And to their credit, they got things kind of corrected and, as you said, played better uh, in the stretch. But when you play in a game like this, every possession is important. And if you lose, you know, like you said, possessions early, then they, they can come back to haunt. You always think about the last few possessions. But like you said, that it played a little little more stingier in the beginning of the game, uh, you know, those, those, those possessions hurt them just as much as the ones at the end did. All right, sir. Appreciate the phone call this evening. Yeah, uh, thank you, Corey. Um, can't wait to hear the rest of the show. Hit the like and subscribe button. Let's get Corey to 1,000 subscribers. Appreciate <laughs> that, sir. Have a great night. If we can't and, get 1,000 uh, subscribers with Les Jepson on here, we got no chance. I'll double your <laughs> We're really up the creek with that. Double your viewership. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> my, okay, my, my so I'm gonna... What's that? Go ahead, Les. My mom's watching, so uh, it, it helps. You know what I mean? So, uh oh, man, now I'm feeling. I didn't feel pressure with having Les and Gary on here, but now that know that Les's mom is watching, we're yeah. we're gonna have to be on our best behavior. All right, we let's take our next phone call here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hello, you're on the air. Oh, hey, am I on? Hey, yep, Jared you're on. Hunter. Hey, Corey, uh, Coach, and Les. Uh, nice to see you guys. I'll keep it brief, uh, like you've mentioned, but just one question. What happened at the end of the game? I just was mystified by that shot and that uh, attempted foul by Bohannon and your thoughts on that. And uh, I'll leave it there. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Jared. Either one of you guys want to address that last shot by Bohannon, the attempted foul it looked like from Michigan. Go ahead, Les. Yeah, I mean <clears> – <throat> There's no timeouts left, and uh, there was I think it was 3.6 seconds, and you catch the ball, you know, in the backcourt like that. Yeah, it's a hurry situation. You're gonna you're gonna be shooting a 32 foot shot at best, and I think 
I think Bohannon thought he was got he was getting fouled and he just kind of went for went for the shot to try to get three point three points in the free throw line. But um, you know, it came down to that one, you know, missed three by uh, Murray. If they would have tied the score, it would have changed the game. And there's a lot of things along the course of the game could have could have changed the whole game. We could have won, but um, you know, that, that happens in a game. You just you get down to those last couple of seconds and you're not gonna get a great shot, but um, it didn't go in and you know, you just gotta you just gotta move on. Yeah, I have a question for you, Gary, in relation to that shot. Um, my only, I don't want to say issue with Jordan, uh, assuming that that foul is being drawn, Les brought it up, 3.6 seconds typically, and it looked like perhaps it was a Eli Brooks was was attempting to uh, foul there, of course, up uh, up three. But yep. with 3.6 seconds, that's a bit of an odd mood, is it not, or move, is it not, with that little amount of time left on the clock? To foul? to foul in that situation because you are yeah, risking yeah. I started with a little bit more than that, but no, I, I think their plan was definitely good. That's, that's why they're up. I think up, uh, you know, extended is they're going to let them take a couple dribbles and then, and then foul. That's the risk you run trying to foul with that little amount of time left. You, you, you know, you, and that's what I think Jordan has less said. I think he was hoping that he might get the call and get a, and get three free throws and it would have looked like a brilliant play. Um, it didn't work out that way. Um, and like I last mentioned, I thought they did a I thought they did a great job of getting Keegan a good a good look to tie the game. I had no problem with that. I thought it was well executed and a good call. Um, but as we had talked about before, that's you know you spend your time talking about the last possession. There was fifty or sixty other possessions before that, and they didn't they didn't win enough of those. And then, then that wouldn't even have been an option. So um, it, go, it just goes to show you in games like this. And this is the way it's going to be the rest of the rest of the way. Um, it's, um, you know, every possession is big, right from the opening tip to the last buzzer. These are games are all going to come down to a possession or two. So, um, for example, what, what a great play they did at the end of the half uh, to yeah. get that three. I mean, that was a terrific play. I mean, that's. That could have been a difference, a difference maker. So um, they did a lot of good things, uh, but they played a team that played well and, and a desperate team, and they didn't make enough plays to beat a team that played well. Let's get to our next caller here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey, Corey, this is Vincent. Uh, thanks for the call. Um, first, just wanted to give credit to uh, Keegan Murray. I think he really – uh, played a good game and gutted out the the final uh, eight to ten minutes. You know, having to deal with uh, some injuries and some calf injuries. Also, not faulting Bohannon uh, for that last play. He's a heady player. Um, I agree with uh, Mr. Jepson as far as you know. If, if you if you're able to execute that and pull off the foul and get three uh, free throws, it looks like a, a pretty darn good play. But just one request, and I'll let you go. Um, Coach Close and Mr. Jessman, if, if you guys could, would you guys mind pulling the Bob Stoops and come out of retirement and at least coach these Hawkeyes on how to stick a loose ball <laughs> or a rebound uh, or a 50-50 ball? Because all season long I've seen with the Hawks where when they secure a rebound, teams either get ripped away or poked out. Um, we're just not doing a good job in securing rebounds or loose balls. And I'll just leave it with that, Corey. Thank you very much. Thanks, Vincent. Well, we should, we should have less, less led the big 10 in rebounding his senior year. Um, you want to, you want to comment on that less? 
you know, a lot of the times, like <clears throat> I missed a good, this is a good point by the caller. I mean, you got to practice your skills every day. It's amazing. You have to just, you got to make it a craft. I didn't really learn that until uh, my second year at Iowa and Gary and uh, coach Davis came aboard and we started working on volume shooting. And, you know, like you said, two hands, when you rebound, you got to catch it with two hands every time, not once in a while, not 99 times out of hundred, you got to go after the ball with two hands, you know, pump fake and power. That's that move. We've practiced hundreds of thousands of times uh, during the course of my career. And, you know, like I said, it comes down to one or two plays that can make your whole, make or break your season. And, and it, you just can't learn it in 10 minutes. And so for a, for a you know, freshman or sophomore, they may not understand how important that is. But, um, you know, I, I see a lot of positive things in that team. Uh, you know, Keegan Murray, I mean, that's, he's a talent. McCaffrey, he's a talent. Uh, Keegan's brother's a talent. And, and uh, you know, they just have to win these tight games. It's Michigan you're playing. And, you know, it's just going to take a little, little more work. And it, a lot of times that, that improvement comes after practice, before practice, and in the summertime. And so you just got to work with the young kids. And um, I, I like I like this. I like the team. I see. I, I like their the future of this 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 ball club. And I'm curious, Les, because the 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 knock on Iowa's size or the knock on Iowa's rebounding, people sometimes attribute to lack of size. And of course, you have the size at that level. Um, but I'm just curious, how much did you still have to? Um, I mean, you had your size in your favor, but I mean, how much of rebounding was still drive and determination? Well, you you, you got to learn how you got to learn how to block out on deep, and when you're defensively rebounding, you got to learn how to block out. That's number one. You got to you got to impede progress on offense. And then when it comes to offensive rebounding, you got to attack the basket. You gotta, you, gotta, there's, you just got to have the drive to get that ball, no matter what. And you know, it, it, it it's it takes it takes it takes months and years to learn that skill. Um, and they they had they had some good rebounds down there in the second half where you know the one kid missed the ball got the ball back went up again got the ball back went up again but um that's got to happen pretty much every play in order to beat a team like michigan especially if you're undersized but they have they have the talent and they have they have the personnel it just you don't need somebody you know seven feet standing there um it just it, it takes it takes something to get over the top like that and they, they had a chance they had a chance to win that game and so going forward to get to the NC2A tournament, um, they just gotta they just gotta move on and they gotta improve and just next game do the things it takes to get the to, to get um, to get those rebounds. I am curious, um, and maybe either one of you, but maybe Gary, you want to comment on this. I, we've talked about this before, and again, I alluded to it earlier with the loss of guards and the loss of Nunji, how consequential that was, especially to rebounding and just presence inside. But Aaron brings up transfer portal. And how you how you can use the portal inside is that going to be? I know we're looking ahead, but is that going to be a priority um, it, from your estimation? Despite the fact that you've got a Gundalay and Mulvey, we assume developing. You think that's still a priority? Yeah, yeah, I think the portal is going to be a priority every year. Um, that's just the nature of the game right now. Um, it's totally different. Uh, I think you, you got to be aware. I mean, we've seen it throughout this entire league of, of what teams have done picking up players out of that portal that have really helped them. Um, and so um, I think, I think Robracha has made nice progress. Um, and I, I credit Fran for that sticking with him. And I, I think he's improved. Uh, hopefully he can get, he's, he's got another year left. Hopefully that can continue, but I, I think they need, I think those two young guys are still a question. Um, uh, 
maybe they'll develop over the summer, uh, but I, I think they'll probably look in the portal and see if they get somebody just a little more mature, a little more ready uh, to give them some quality minutes uh, right away rather than hoping that somebody might develop uh, maybe a combination. But I'm sure they'll take a close look. Now, the question is whether anybody will be in there that will fit what they're what they're looking for. Um, you know, that's the other that's the other situation. And then you got competition just like you do in recruiting for uh, people that want the same guy. So um, I think Iowa's got a lot to sell because they got some real good players around uh, that position that if they can get somebody there, um, it could really help. Ari Gold says that Les looks like Matt Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Williams, baseball player? Uh, he's got a little baseball logo. I'm assuming he's talking about the baseball player. Uh -oh. <laughs> is, that, is that accurate, Gary? Les, Les will take it deep every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll strike out a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so – Hawkeye skip valid question here. He says it's beyond me how we are supposedly in the tourney. And yes, all the pundits right now have Iowa comfortably in He says yet yeah, Rutgers is on the bubble who they, uh, of course, Rutgers beat Iowa. Who have we beat? I think this team is really average at best. I'll keep cheering them on. The fact of the matter is this net. Um, I don't even know what you want to call it, but it's an, a net ranking system. Um, unfortunately for teams that don't have the luxury of, of Iowa blowing out a bunch of, 200 plus net ranked teams in the non-conference you're at a disadvantage because a part of the net is a win margin and iowa has had a lot of blowouts albeit against lower competition i, I know you're not a, a net expert gary but is this is there anything else you can attribute to iowa's high net ranking right now because they're top 20 in the country yeah i you know they've got a lot of wins um they're playing in a real competitive league uh, now, I, you know, it's going to change, you know, with this loss and with the way Rutgers has played, uh, that, that will change a little bit. Rutgers had some bad losses early. I know they lost to Lafayette, and I think they had another, they had a couple of real close calls against bad teams. Uh, so that, that's hurt, that, that's hurt them a little bit, but, um, they're in position, you know, at this time of year, you want to be in position to, to get a chance to get in there. You know, they're going to need some more wins. They got some opportunities to get it against some good teams. Um, so this was one tonight that kind of got away from them, but, um, you know, they've won, they've, they've gotten some good wins. They've been very competitive. They've not been blown out. They have blown out a lot of people. So, um, I think that's, you know, it's a combination of all those factors that puts them in a position to have, have a chance. Just to put this in perspective, Rutgers is two and two in quad three games, and they do have a quad for a loss, which you alluded to that game against Lafayette, Iowa undefeated in quad three and four. So you give them that Iowa though, un, uh, un, well, they haven't won a game, haven't won a game in, in quad one right now. They are uh, zero and six. So at some point you'd have to think, especially if you want to go in with a decent seed, you've got to win one of these marquee games. You're going to have another opportunity Saturday. Yeah. And that, that won't be easy because that's, that team has got a chance to win the league. Uh, and they're, uh, they play very, very well. Um, I don't think they've lost at home. I, I could be mistaken. Um, I don't believe so. But it's a team that's a little up and down. You know, sometimes they, they get a little crazy too. So um, this is a wild league. You, you've seen some games that you have no business being close. Um, and so, like Les said, you got to, you know, you got to learn by your mistakes here, and then you got to move on. You can't be dwelling too long because there's another tough game coming up on Saturday. Ray says the big man from, is it Bow Bell or Bow Bell? 
I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's Bo Bells. He forgot the S. I, I went to Denmark. Oh, he forgot the summer. S. I went to Denmark last summer, and they said my name was Yepsen. So I've been saying my name the whole lot wrong for the last 54 <laughs> years. So what do I know? I mean, tell, I, tell, the, tell the fans how many are in your graduating class. Well, the most important thing is I graduated in the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> That was about the only option, right? I'm, I'm guessing. Well, there was 11 people, so it was it was, it was, it was nip and tuck at the very end. I got I squeaked in. Corey, how about coming from a school of 11 in your graduating class and playing Big Ten basketball and then playing in the NBA for four or five years? That's How do you get recruited? I mean, what, so how does that work? How does high school ball and Bo Bell's North Dakota work? Well, nowadays you just put your game on YouTube and you get exposure. But back then, man, it was – you, it, it was amazing. I mean, that's a, that's a different podcast, but um, it's it's a long story. But um, I mean, I, I got recruited. I mean, if you, you got to dig, but um, I ended up at Iowa, so I'm glad, very glad. I love the Iowa fans. I mean, like I said, that that one guy that made the remark. I mean, you, I hadn't played, you know, I, I hadn't played for 30 years, and they still remember or my hometown. Or they, <laughs> they, you know, and the Iowa fans have always been Good very, po- always been very positive. And uh, if you're a player coming in there, you don't you don't get you don't get booed in, in Iowa. It's very rare, um, and um, it's just a great place to play. I, I wish I could recruit for Iowa because um, I mean uh, it, it's just an amazing place to be. It's an amazing uh, campus, and they got a great staff there. And um, hopefully, they can get a couple more players and figure this out. You know, uh, the next few weeks and get to the tournament. And um, you never know what'll happen. Les, who is your main recruiter from Iowa? Uh, the guy, the I'm not sure what you mean. So, who recruited me, or who was who recruited you for, from Iowa? Oh, um, well, I was uh, I was under George Ravelings. George Raveling recruited me. And okay, Ron, Ron Ryder. Yeah, Ron Ryder was his his assistant, and he came up in I think it was in late March, and I was playing baseball. And he watched me play baseball, and then he we went to the gym, and we were working out. You know, we did a little workout for like you know twenty minutes, and then two days later, I, they flew me to uh, Iowa, and then two days after that, George George asked me to if I wanted to sign. I was like, yeah. So it only took like I don't know less than ten days. I was I was a hot guy. How did they find out about you, Les? Actually, uh, uh, Bruce Wilson Bruce Wilson was uh, the recruiter for Gonzaga. And I visited Gonzaga, and I didn't, for some reason, I didn't want to go to Gonzaga. And I was, I was going to sign with Texas A&M, and, and, and uh, uh, Coach Wilson said, don't sign with Texas A&M. Let me make some phone calls. And then one of the phone calls was Iowa. One of the phone calls was Oregon. And I visited both, both places. Um, so it was just like more like a referral. Hmm. Yeah. Was Gonzaga? Who was Coach Wilson? Was he a, a, your high school coach? Bruce Wilson was the uh, recruiter for Gonzaga. Oh, that's right. Okay, he was, yeah. he was the recruiter. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I still keep in touch with him. He uh, he texted me uh, a couple months ago. I still uh, keep in touch with him. So um, I was. I'm very thankful for Coach Wilson, Bruce Wilson. You know what I mean. So he could have just he could have just said you know forget it. But uh, he made a couple phone calls and uh, it changed my life. That's for sure. I don't know the history of Gonzaga basketball, but was it was Gonzaga a power back then, Les? Well, John Stockton was the guy. 
he he called me he he called me uh, he was recruiting me he called me on the phone and stuff said you know he was just he was a rookie with with um utah yeah and, uh, they had a decent year you know but they were in a powerhouse and then all of a sudden probably what eight or nine years later all of a sudden they started going to the tournament every year and you know advancing but um you know great great school yeah was great. don monson the coach uh i think monson was the coach for oregon and I think it was Fitzpatrick or something like that. Was the coach. okay. That was before the other Monson, his son. Yeah. yeah. I wish I, I wish Stanford would have recruited me. That's what that's where Gary and and Coach Davis were. <laughs> we should have. <laughs> well, now yeah. we missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe you uh, weren't a good enough student. Well. Uh, huh. <laughs> yeah. Top ten. Top ten. What What else was there to do but study in from in Bow Bells? I mean, man, <laughs> I would guess you were a pretty good student. Uh, yeah, I was, I wasn't 4.0, but, um, I was pretty close. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was well-educated, put it that way. When I got, to, when I got to college, it was easy. It was easy. All right. So segueing a bit back to this game, Charles uh, seems to be a bit upset this evening. He says def- defense and execution, unfortunately falls on the coaches. One, the head coach two, the assistant coaches equals no defense. Can't complete rely completely on up-tempo transition offense and hope. The opponent misses shots. He goes on to say, unfortunately, I still see Joe T transferring at the end of the year. Also like Perkins effort, but have a hard time justifying him starting, let alone how he fits into our offense. Nothing personal. So Charles is not very happy. Gary, you have any way to, to calm him down a bit this evening? Well, um, I think all those guards are, are a work in progress. Uh, they're all, they're all young. Um, the guard position is, is a tough position to play. A kid at Rutgers has has really come on. There's an there's an example of a guy that's just continued to develop, and and hopefully these guys will do the same thing. It's just um, you know you want them to you want them to progress faster, but it's just you know it's just it's it's a tough position to play in a tough tough league. They've had all of them had their moments. Um, they just haven't been haven't been real consistent. So um, uh, I wouldn't give up on any of them just yet. Uh, I, I think they all got potential but it's uh it's it's a work in progress all right this is going to be a question specifically for less and and delve into this as deeply as you want less so this is a question i've brought up to gary in past shows i see the comment here in the chat it says a gundalay needs to play his size he's massive could dominate if he realized his size and i agree with him to a certain extent he, he seems to play smaller than he is he does seem to have problems securing loose balls and rebounds he is huge, uh, and it's been speculated that perhaps he's gained some weight during the season. I don't know if that's fact or not, but how would you teach a guy, given the fact that you have had you have experience being that big, how would you teach a guy like Agundale to use his size effectively? Man, it's, 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 it, it comes down to it, it comes down to uh, skills. You have to you have to know how to rebound. I mean, you just can't be big and rebound. And you have, to, like you said, one of the one of the guys that left a message on there. You got to want to go after the ball. I mean, you don't you don't have to be seven feet to go after the ball. You can be six nine, six eight, and get a rebound. You can be six two and get a rebound. Um, it, t- it t- you want to want you got to want a rebound. And um, can you teach that? You know, you got to have some drive, a lot of drive. Um, and you just you got to get you got to get the ball. Um, so, uh, as far as an answer, I don't know. Like you're just gonna have to get. You're just gonna have to get the get those big rebounds, and um, just try to get more skilled as a rebounder. 
Yeah. I, I think they see those big Gary, guys in you, practice. You, I think they see those big guys in practice every day. And you, you know they're hoping that they're going to show something to warrant more minutes because they obviously need something there. And I think Phillip is, is, um, has shown the most progress, and that's why he's playing the most minutes. I think both the other two kids have got potential. Um, you know, the one kid, Mulvey, he should still be in high school. He left high school early. So he's, he's what, probably 17, and he's just not ready yet. And um, the other guy, Alangele, is kind of in the same boat. They're just, I just don't think they're ready. Um, both of them got potential. Uh, but it's like Les says, potential is one thing. Getting it done's another, and they they got to go to work. Um, they got to work on their bodies. They got to work on their game. Um, you know, they got to be in the gym all the time. And that's that's how Garza became the player he is. That's how Keegan became the player he is. It's it's not a secret. What fans don't realize, Corey, is all the time that those guys have put in to get better. They just you know a lot of them just think, hey, they're they're just blessed. No, there's a lot of work. It's gone into both those players to be the players they've been, you know, two years ago or three years ago when Keegan and, and Chris were coming out, they weren't even recruited. Um, yeah. They had one division one offer. And now he's one of the top, he's an all American. And, and so the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, one finding him, and then two developing. And he obviously deserves a lot of credit too. So, um, you know, we look at the ones that don't progress and it drives us crazy and sometimes we don't appreciate the ones that do. And um, as we've said all along, Corey, this team lost a lot last year. Guys that are in the NBA, guys that are making a lot of money professionally. There's another kid, Xavier, that's nearly averaging a double-double. They lost a lot of good players. And for them to be in the position they're in, I, I think the team and the coach staff drew a lot of credit. In a league that's really, really tough, um, they're just, with the exception of a couple of teams, there's no bad teams. Um, there may not be any great teams. We'll have to wait and see, but there are no bad ones. And so you got to play well to win. You're just not going to play well and not play well and win in this league this year. You're just not going to do it. So they're close. They just got to keep plugging away and, and, uh, like Les says, keep improving. And, you know, they go to Ohio State and win on Saturday, and everybody's going to be back on board thinking, oh man, this is it. You know, we're ready to roll. It's just, that's just the nature of the, the nature of the beast, so to speak. Man, watching Jack Nungy at Xavier this past Friday, he is ridiculous. I mean, he he is really improved. Um, and I hate to to speculate on what could have been, but uh, how good is Jack Nungy now? Not right now, Gary. Have you watched much of him at Xavier? I've seen him a little bit. Yeah, he'd be perfect for for Iowa. He can hit the three. He's he's athletic. Um, he can rebound. But what is he? Is he a fifth year senior now? Right. Am I right on that? Is this a, this will be his fifth year? Yeah, because he came in with Luca. Yeah, so I mean, he that's, came in with Luca, so yeah, that's the time it takes. Uh, and last year, he didn't get to play a whole lot because he was behind the best player in the country. So, um, but when he did play, he played well. So that was a big loss. Uh, it might have been the biggest loss of any of the th- of the couple kids that left, not including the ones that went to the NBA. I think so. I, he, he's a huge loss, um, and you know, a family situation is what warranted it. And that's, you know, that's just a tough break. Um, so, but you, you feel good for him. The kid has really, really improved. and He's got a chance to play at the next level, which is, which is pretty cool. So here's a question from Charles and he says it's a, it could be a controversial question. It's for Gary and Les both. So we'll ask you both the question. 
Um, he says, uh, if, if it were you, who would be your starting five with this roster? Well, I don't think I'd make much change. I think he, I think it's, I think he's got what he's got. I think the only place you might look would be uh, Chris Murray in a starting lineup, maybe for Phillip, but uh, Phillip has come on. Phillip had a nice game tonight. He was, he was solid, you know, he, he about what you want. And I think Chris is, is, you know, it's nice to have some production coming off the bench. So I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd change it at all. Um, the other guard position is just up in the air. All three of those guys are, you know, one game they're great, the next game they're not, and it's just kind of rotated around, which is not uncommon with young guards. So I don't know if any one of the three has just jumped out at you that they got to be in there. So um, it's a work in progress, but I, I don't think I'd change anything. What, what about you, Les? You know, I'd have to, I'd have to defer to, to, to Fran. I, I have no idea. I mean, he sees practice every day, and he sees, the you know, the kids and who deserves the minutes and – um you know, it, I'm not the guy to answer that question. I'd say, you know, Fran, Fran's got Fran's got his lineup, and um, and uh, I, I like I like Chris Murray. I do. I mean, I'd like to see him get more minutes. Um, that's just me, though. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think Fran deserves a lot of credit. You know, Philip uh, was a work in progress, and he has shown some progress. Uh, moving Jordan to the point, I think, has helped a little bit. So he has tweaked the lineup a little bit to try to, uh, you know, get some get some change in there and and get some production. So, um, you know, he's he's limited what the personnel he's got. I, I think he's done a really good job as far as that goes. Gary, I heard an Iowa media member suggest this this past week. Could you play Chris Murray at the two? And and, and regardless of what you do at the one, could you play him at the two? Because Tony, it doesn't give you much offensive. I'm not saying you bench Tony, but I'm just speculating. Could you do that, or do you think it'd be way out of position? Yeah, I think that's probably a little bit of a reach. Um, um, you know, defensively, he's going to have to guard quick guards and um, – you know, and then you got your, you know, your offense and how it, you know, how it flows, and now he's playing a different position. I don't, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's that might be a little bit of a reach. But like Les says, we're not around in practice. See everything's going on. You know, maybe if you watch practice, you think, yeah, maybe there is some possibility there. But um, and the other thing, you you want to you want to exude confidence. And so if you're constantly changing your lineup, pulling people in and out, yanking people in and out that doesn't build a lot of confidence. And this team's needs that as much as any uh, because of their youth and, and all the players that they lost. So, um, you know, they've played, they played, you know, as we've said, they've played competitively. They've, they've really have not gotten other than maybe the Iowa state game at Iowa state. They really have not been out of a game all year and have had chances to win literally almost all of them. Um, and um I think if you'd have said before the game they'd have this record and have this chance to get in the NCAA, I think ninety percent of Iowa fans would would be happy with that. So mm -hmm. we got to we got to ride the ride the wave to the end and see what happens. They're in the tournament right now, Gary. I mean, regardless of what people say, they're in the tournament if it started tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they deserve credit for that. Let's uh, let's take our next call here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Yeah, uh, this is Pat. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Hey, uh, you know, I, I said you got less there, um, and I go back a long ways with uh, Hawkeye Sports. Um, you know, I think every announcer in the country enjoyed 
saying that Les was from Bow Bells, North Dakota. I, I you know, <laughs> used to hear that every game. Every game you'd hear that. Yeah. Um, I got a quick. I got a. I got a quick story. While we were in Hawaii, luckily it was the only game that was not televised in my career. The, the Hawaiian announcer. I wasn't. I was. You know, part of the starting lineup, and he was announcing the starters. And he said, "Out, oh, this is Les Jepson from Cowbells, North Dakota." <laughs> and the whole team was laughing. I was so happy it wasn't on TV. I was like, "Damn, somebody's got to change the name of that town because I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move." That's good. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> no, it's it's, uh, it, it's good, good to see you, Les. I haven't seen you for for a long time, but uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna make a point here. I'll let you guys discuss it um, because I know that there's a lot of fans out there that are gonna disagree with what I say. But um, I uh, my take on this year's Iowa team is is pretty simple. Um, I actually think that for the dozen or so seasons that that Brand's been at Iowa, I think this is his best coaching job. Um, Yeah, I know they've lost some close games and and they're going through some growing pains, but I think this is the best team that he's coached, and and I think it's the best job that he's done um, based on, you know, strictly based on what they lost last year. They lost literally four-fifths of their starting lineup. So, um I'll let you guys go ahead and discuss that. And uh, good to see you, Wes. Good to see you, Coach Close. And uh, Corey, good night. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the phone call. And uh, thoughts on that, guys? I mean, I I think it hit right on the the head. I think think, um, I haven't watched – you know, enough Iowa basketball to go all the way back through all of France. Part of them I was competing against, so I didn't have the time. But – uh, I would agree. This year has got to be right up there um, with what they've lost and the and the depth of this league this year, um, and the development of the players in his program. Um, I agree. I, I think it's been a I think it's been a great great coaching job, and and hopefully they can get enough wins to get rewarded for it by getting in the tournament. That would be a be a terrific year if they could pull that off. Yep. Anything to add to that, Lesser? Well, I mean, you got. I mean, I. I, I cannot believe the the year uh, Keegan Murray's having. I mean, I mean if he if he continue, I mean if he continues to improve, I mean what is he averaging twenty five points a game, twenty four points a game, and almost eight rebounds. I mean, he's he's arguably a top five pick in the draft if he continues his tra- tra- trajectory. I mean, it might be that's that's my opinion, right? And then the uh, the McCaffrey uh, um, kid. He could be a lottery pick next year if he works on his game this summer. So they got, and then who knows how Chris Murray develops over the summer. So you only need one or, you know, maybe one or two players um, to compliment them. You know, maybe one guy get transfer portal or whatever. But I mean, if they continue to develop, they have talent. Now it's just a matter of just, like I said, getting, getting these little wins rather than losing by three, they win by two and you go to the tournament and all of a sudden, they got they got a marquee team. And like I said, I I, I thought I think I mean I, I had no idea I would be this good to, at this point. And uh, so hats off to Fran and his staff for uh, the, the dem- development of uh, Keegan Murray. Wow, it's unbelievable. Gary, did I just hear him say? Did I hear, just hear Les say that, that Patrick could be a lottery pick next year? Do you agree with that? If if he continues to develop, I'm gonna leave that one up to Les. 
but he's 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 got a chance. He's got some he's got some skill that um, some God given talent that you don't you know not everybody has. He's long. He's athletic. He's got to get stronger. Um, he's you know he's got to get a more consistent outside shot. But if we were sitting here this time last year, would we say the same thing about Keegan Murray? If if, if somebody had said, well, I think Keegan Murray might be a lottery pick next year, you probably would have rolled your eyes at that too. Um, I mean, that's a big leap, but um, that's the beauty of college basketball. You just you just don't know what's going to happen in the course of the next six, seven months as they go to work. There, there's there's potential there for sure, um, and he's shown glimpses of it. He's he's uh, even the announcer tonight uh, was talking about it that um, there's something there. Now the question is, can he get it out of himself by getting stronger, getting quicker? Um, developing a consistent outside shot, finishing better around the basket. All those things can really turn him into a heck of a player, but there's certainly potential. There's no question about that. And this is, uh, I think, I, I think Les uh, answered this nicely. Vincent brings up Keegan Murray. He's, of course, Vincent, uh, this is the same Vincent that has disagreed with us in the past, Gary, about Keegan being a lottery pick. And I think maybe Keegan's starting to uh, convince him otherwise are you are we both are we all in unison right now that he probably is top 20 right now again if the draft were tomorrow oh i think he's higher than that yeah he's higher than that right now i mean i'm not saying he should yeah you know, i'm not saying he should even um i mean if i was a recruiter like keegan i'd like you to stay at iowa one, one more year i mean tim duncan <laughs> stayed five years uh but i mean he's got talent i mean i just just i don't watch him every game but i mean um, and it'd be fu- it'd be fun to work with them this summer, like those guys, because I mean they, they have. If he stays on the trajectory, right? If he keeps improving, and he and he, he gives everything he has, both those guys, and you know Chris, I, maybe maybe he's got the same trajectory. I don't know, right? So it just depends on how much you want to work in the summertime, and it's not easy. I mean, you got to put in countless hours, and you only have about six, five, six months to do it in the, in the off season. Uh, if they're willing to commit to that, and yeah, I mean, you never know. You never know. So, you know, it's, Les is a real good example of that. You know, Les hardly played his freshman and sophomore year because the team he was on was loaded with, you know, future NBA players. And then he got, you know, he got some decent minutes his junior year. And then his senior year, he just blossomed into a, you know, a early second round pick in the NBA draft, came out of nowhere. Uh, but it was work. It was work. It was effort. It was getting an opportunity. Um, he had a hard time getting an opportunity early because he wasn't quite ready, and the team that he was playing on was stacked. Um, and so when it's your chance, when you get your chance to have your opportunity, that's when you got to take advantage of it. And Chris is starting to get that opportunity. And if Keegan goes, he's going to get an even bigger opportunity next year. And um, that's exciting to see you know, how much better they can get. So as Les says, there's some potential there. Um, you know, the, the, the big question will be is how much can they improve over the course of, of the offseason? I'll make a bold statement here, and people can laugh at it or disagree, whatever. And I know this is a lot that has to come together for this to be realized, but if Keegan Murray stays, development continues for Chris and, and Patrick, and assuming – one of those two big men can really develop, whether that be Josh or Riley. They're a shooter away from being a 
Elite Eight Final Four contending team. I mean, last year you could argue they were a Final Four contending team. At least that was the narrative. Is that outlandish to think? I mean, I, I think if, if Keegan returns, that's that's uh, plausible. Yeah, I, 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 I think so, too. Um you know, getting to the final four is is brutal. Um, you got you got a lot of things go your way, um, but you got to have talent too. You don't see very many teams that get to the final four that don't have pros on their roster, uh, or real good European players, and and more than one. And this program's got a chance to have some. Um, you know, if they can continue to develop and uh, improve, and um, like we've said, that's. That's fun to watch, and we've we've even seen it during the course of this year how people have improved. So, hopefully, uh, that'll that that trajectory will continue, and and um, you know the program will continue the way it's been doing, being very competitive and and uh, doing a good job of developing players. I mean, I think I think Keegan's a top five pick if he stays another year. Like right now, I, I, you know that's that's just speculation, but he he could stay and not not lose anything right and i wish he would stay an extra year i really do um willie i don't know but um we'll see Les, do you hope he stays an extra year as an iowa alum and an iowa fan or do you no i mean what what does he have to benefit from is do you really think he can move that stock up enough to to make it worth it i mean it depends on what he wants to do right he's got to talk to his family or his whatever agent but i mean College basketball is fun, right? So, if you want to spend one more extra year, if you if you want to play, if you're a top five pick, you're probably playing in the league for 15 years. So, are you really risking injury? You know, staying an extra 10 months and working on your game. I mean, would you rather be a 23rd pick in the draft, and or would you rather be the top five pick in the draft, right? Um, uh, I would say that there that you can make a case for him staying and he would be a lot better off for staying for one extra year. He could play with his brother. He would, his brother would improve and he would, he would probably end up being better off as long as he stays healthy. Do you agree with that, Gary? Oh, I don't think there's any question. Uh, I, I mean, I think there's, there's no doubt. I think a lot of it's going to be, you know, how well he plays down the stretch and, you know, I think what you do is you go in the off season and you get an evaluation of where you think you're going to be, and then you got to make a you know a personal decision. If he gets so high up in the draft that it's no, it's a no brainer, then it's a no brainer, um, and you know he'll be gone. Uh, and I think there's a chance that could happen because he's a really good player. I, um, even tonight, where he didn't play all that great, he's still at 23 and seven. I mean, it was like that's the potential is there. And, you know, you got four or five games left in the season. You got, hopefully you got some big 10 terms of, you know, you might have eight, nine, 10 games. And if he plays phenomenally down a the stretch, then that can change a lot. And um, it happened with Sam Decker with us. I mean, he had a phenomenal final 10 games his senior year and his, his stock just flew up the charts and to the point where he had to go. He, he couldn't come back. It was it wasn't worth it. Um, and we were happy he got to that position. I think and I think Fran would feel the same way if if Keegan can get into a position where he's a lottery pick. Then I think Fran would be the first guy to say hey, you got to go. Uh, but like Les said, if he's not, um, then you know then you come back and you put yourself in a position where you you do get to that position. And like you said, you get a chance to play with your brother and 
got a chance to be on a real good team. So he's, he's got the best of both worlds. Um, uh, so uh, a lot will depend upon these next, you know, seven, eight, 10 games um, as to where he'll, where people will feel he'll be. And then the decision I'll have to make. I know this is crazy to be talking about somebody using his age against him, but is that possible in today's society in the NBA now? Because he is a year old, older than his, I mean, he's a, he's a true sophomore, but of course he reclassified and, and played academy ball down in Florida. So could that be used against him as well and encourage him to leave early? Possibly. Uh, there's no question the NBA wants young players because it's, you know, they got a longer time to develop. And so you see it all the time. You see guys leaving, uh, you know, now they got guys that don't even go to college. They go, you know, they, they, they follow the route they've got now and get there within a year. So, um, They'll certainly, they'll, that'll certainly be brought up. It's just another year they can develop and, and have you. So, you know, absolutely. That's kind of the way it's going now. This is they're, they're, they're drafting young players to develop. Um, and um, so that could be a factor. Let's finish off the show. Cause we are running out of time here, but I want to finish off the show with a couple quick fire questions for both of you uh, gentlemen. First of all, Steve Smith says, well, actually, Steve, let's get to this comment first. Steve says, great to see Les. Didn't know he had such a good sense of humor. So there's a compliment yeah. to listen you up for this next question, Les. Uh, he says, uh, Raveling was able to recruit top talent in bunches, stud after stud, something no other Iowa coach has been able to do since. What was his secret? George was a great salesperson. He, I mean, and he was a connector of people. He still is. Um, I mean, he just – he just uh, I think it just he sold Eddie Horton on the on the on the idea of not going to Illinois and going to Iowa, and he sold Roy Marble on the idea of not playing at Michigan State and coming to Iowa, and he sold B.J. Armstrong on the idea of coming to Iowa and not playing in Michigan, closer to home. I mean, that is a sales that's a sales skill, right? And as a coach, you know you got to know the X's and O's, but you got to sell somebody on the idea of coming back for a, for another, like Keegan Murray. You get, you can sell them on this idea of coming back and playing an extra year, right? Uh, you get a guy to uh, transfer to portal or whatever, but George is a great salesperson, you know, and still is. And right. So. Awesome. Hey, and would you say the same thing about uh, coach Davis, Gary, was Tom a good salesman? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, uh, Tom was who he is. He's just very down to earth, honest, uh, great teacher. Uh, I think parents felt very comfortable. Um, you know, somebody that's dropped their kid off at college, you, you want them to be safe and, t and well taken care of. And I think parents felt very comfortable, um, around him and, and, uh, and obviously very educated and no, he was, he was, he was easy to like. Wolverine Nation says, is Michigan a tournament team right now? You're, either one of you guys want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. 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 Now, they probably need it. They probably need um, another win or two, but they're, they're right there. This one certainly helped, uh, especially being on the road. Uh, but they're probably because they got a lot of competition in this league. Um, you know, Rutgers is now. Uh, made a move and and of course you got Iowa the team they beat and so there's there's a lot of teams all grouped in there so 
Um, I think they probably got to get a couple more wins, but they're they're on the right track. Vincent says, let's keep in mind we lost four starters from last year's squad, including two NBA draft picks, All-American collusion case with Frederick. <laughs> have won 17 games. Charles says, co- question for Coach Close. When you coached against Fran, aside from scouting opponent players individually, were you more concerned with stopping Iowa's offense or exposing their defense? That's a great question. Well, I'll tell you what. They were not easy to play. Um, they were, they as, as fans have seen now, they play hard. Uh, they play smart. Um, they're not. They're not an easy team to play. I think when you when you first played Iowa, uh, I think the first thing that came to your mind was, "Hey, we gotta, you know, we can't let them get any easy baskets. We we got to get back. They're they're one of the best running teams in the country. And they get out and run and and uh, get open threes, get easy laps. You're gonna have a hard time beating them. So our transition defense was really really important, and and try to make them beat you in the half court, five on five. And we kind of felt that, hey, if we could we, – we felt that with every team, that if we could get teams in five-on-five games, our defense was better than their offense, no matter whether, whether it was Iowa or Michigan or Michigan. Now, some nights it wasn't, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but generally speaking, we felt if we could get a team in a five-on-five situation in half court, our defense is better than your offense. And that's the way our guys had to think. Um, you know, if you asked our guys, if you're down one, would you rather, would you rather be – up one and playing defense or down one and have a ball. And I think our guys probably say, hey, let's be up one and, and get a get a stop. And uh, so in the case with Iowa, the, the first thing you got to do in stopping them is stop their transition. What do you say to Iowa fans who say, I wish Iowa played that way? Just kind of, it's just a difference of styles, isn't it, between head coaches? Yeah, yeah every, everybody's got their strengths and you got to coach to your, your, your strengths and your, your beliefs and, what you do good. Um, you know, it's like John Shire is going to take over for Mike Krzyzewski next year. He can't coach like Mike Krzyzewski. He's got to coach like John Shire or um, he's not going to be effective. You know, Matt Painter played for Gene Cady. Gene Cady was a slow down half court, grinded out. Les will tell you, he played against them. It was a 50 point game, physical defense. That's, I mean, Purdue is still pretty physical, but they're up tempo and, um, but that's the way Matt wants to coach, and that's the way he's the most effective. So, um, Fran's won a lot of games at Iowa, um, and they've been very competitive, and, and um, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Well, one, one thing I want to do before we leave here, Les, I put on my hat here, and the reason <laughs> I know you can't see this very well, but uh, let me find it here. I don't know if you recognize this signature right there. There you that's go. A for, that's a forgery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be in prison a long time. I got a lot of autographs on this hat here. So uh, this was when you came back to town, Les, uh, with the 86-87 team. I want to say it was like 2012. It was a yeah, Iowa was, Penn oh, State yeah. game in Carver. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Gary, you weren't there. We talked about that. But Bruce Pearl was there and, and – um, that, I, was that was there the before. I wasn't there for so. the game, but I was there for the night before. Yeah. You were there for the night before. So, uh, yeah. And I know yeah. a lot of people, I can speak for a lot of people on here that they've enjoyed seeing you and, and hearing from you. And um, uh, the real Hayden this is kind of a nice comment to finish it off. He's a regular on here. He says, I'm too pessimistic to say anything tonight, so I won't say anything at all. <laughs> uh, but there's lots of reasons to be positive. And you, you brought it up, Gary. All, this team is still right now in the tournament, first of all, 
Brand has done a tremendous job with what he's had returning, and there's still a lot of games left. I mean, six games yep. left on the schedule, an opportunity. I mean, <laughs> this is a quick turnaround Saturday against Ohio State. If you're Iowa, how do you prepare your guys for a road trip that quickly against a very, very good team, Ohio State team who's tied for first place in the conference right now? And then rested. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's not easy. I think one of the things you if you're in the NCAA tournament, this is what you got to do. You got to play, and then two days later, you got to play again if you win. So. We'll play it just like that. Well, I'm sure they won't do a whole lot tomorrow other than maybe walk through the scattering report, things like that, but keep their legs fresh and hopefully go in there Saturday and then uh, surprise them. Well, Les, I want to, I want you to know you're welcome here anytime. It's been a pleasure to uh, catch up with you. And uh, are you still seven foot? Uh, I've never measured myself. I, I boy nowadays I just say I'm eight feet and the second tallest man in the world. I get a lot of <laughs> that's what I, people want to. I don't know. That's what I'm. I'm eight feet. You're eight feet. <laughs> man in the world. I think Iowa could use you now. The then, tallest man in the world. I think that would help us rebounding. Yeah, the tallest man in the world is in Bangladesh. He ain't doing very good. So hopefully in a couple of weeks I'll be the tallest man in the world. <laughs> oh, that. Let's hope you have a better outcome than he than he's got right now. So. Yeah. Okay. Me too. All right, folks. Iowa, Ohio State, Saturday, 1.37 p.m. is a tip-off Central Time on Fox, uh, of course, out in Columbus. So quick turnaround for the Hawks, and we'll be with you for post-game show after the uh, national telecast on Saturday. For Les Jepson, Coach Gary Close, I'm Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Everyone have a great night.